Welcome to another episode of The Zag. It's Eric DeSoap. Today we're talking with NLC alum from 2013, Jessica Price, one of our favorite alums. She's got a lot of interesting stories, an interesting life, and an interesting future happenings for her. Excited to have her on, and you're listening to The Zag. Jessica, how are you? We were talking before we started recording. You gave a very exciting speech, it sounded like, a motivational talk to a bunch of high school kids. What was that about? Uh, that was a motivational talk to a bunch of high school kids at uh, the Salvadoran American Leadership and Educational Foundation's headquarters, downtown LA. How'd you end up talking to them in the first place? I'm the president of Salif. And I'm the president of the board of directors. So the executive director asked me to come and help out. By giving a speech that would motivate the youth. <laughs> How many minutes did you have to fill? One hour. So what did you talk about in 60 minutes? This is a lot of minutes with a bunch of high school kids. I tried to be motivational by talking about my life. And that was it? You just say, hey, my life kid, 60 minutes. So you were talking about, you went to a lot of schools before you got to high school. How many schools did you go to? Yes, I went to 10 different schools before finishing high school. What was the reason for going to so many schools? Just moving around a lot? Yeah, my mom. Hmm. Out of those 10, were there any that stood out as really great? East Middle School and Rio San Gabriel, both schools in Downey. In Downey. What was great about them? Uh, the math was hard. Is that your jam, math? Yeah. Oh, who would have thought? Um, and where'd you go to end up going to high school for the four years? Crenshaw High. Crenshaw High. What was Crenshaw High School like? Mm, good and bad, not great. Uh, it has a bad reputation and it earned it. Oh, what was the worst part about it? Worst part about it? Oof. Probably because people who finished Crenshaw who may have succeeded didn't come back. So we didn't see what we could be in in successful alumni coming back and, and keeping in touch with students. And where'd you go to college after Crenshaw? Yeah. Yeah, you did. I know you went. Yes, of course you went to college after. Where'd you go? Yale. Into Yale. I said Yale. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. Thinking, yeah. Sounds like Yale. Yeah. <laughs> Yale. What was uh, the most shocking part of Yale when you got there? <laughs> the, all the white people. Oh. Coming from Crenshaw, is 100% <laughs> minority, 84% black, 16% Hispanic. Uh, we had two white kids for one year. Nicknamed um, One was nicknamed Milk, and he was on the basketball team, and they did a documentary about him. Hmm. Uh, so Yale was a culture shock. And then you're back on a college campus now. What is your, your job now that has you on UCLA's campus? I'm the Title IX coordinator for UCLA. And I'm sure you get this question a lot, but what does that even, what does it mean? And what does someone coordinate for Title IX exactly? So Title IX is a federal law that um, protects against discrimination on the basis of sex. So in Title IX, we oversee, or I oversee, the campus's response to complaints of gender discrimination, sexual violence, and sexual harassment. And so that's the responsive side of the office. Uh, there's also a sort of affirmative prevention and education side where uh, my biggest project right now is getting out to let people know that Title IX includes pregnancy discrimination, uh, and, but also getting out and making sure we have enough lactation spaces and making sure folks know uh, some of the pitfalls and uh, some of the cl complaints that we've seen about pregnancy discrimination. 
So in a given week, how many Title IX inquiries or situations come up that you have to deal with? In the student context, uh, we were getting about 12 a week during the school year, 12 complaints. And is they, are they very severe? Or they really run the gamut of, well, this is worth investigating, but it's not going to be much, or is everything pretty severe? Yeah, for each person that's sending a complaint in, it's severe. And then I'm not sure when people will, will hear this, but hopefully it's, it's recent enough that this makes sense. But with Betsy DeVos talking about um, changing some of the approach that they're using for sexual assault, and just in, does that impact your life in any sort of way or the job in any sort of way? Just that we have to remind people that nothing's going to change at UCLA. Um, first, there was no commitment to make any specific change. And a lot of what she was saying was stuff we already do, right? You can't start an investigation being biased against the respondent. That's already the case for us. Um, you need to take a complaint seriously. Obviously, we take complaints seriously. And the call for a notice and comment period to change potentially what the standard is, uh, that may happen uh, maybe in the next year. Uh, but for UCLA, we've got local policy, we've got state policy, so that means that's not going to change unless um, unless the federal government comes out and says that the standard that we use, which is a preponderance of evidence, discriminates against respondents. That's a possibility. So if somebody in your role was not as progressive as you are, what would potentially happen? Like, why is it good that you're there and not someone who's super conservative? I wouldn't say conservative or progressive, but for me in particular, having worked a lot on due process at the ACLU, uh, typically coming at issues from a defense perspective, and then with my experience at Peace Over Violence, working with survivors, uh, working in a place that did crisis counseling, um, every issue is so difficult. And I'm really glad that the investigators that I've hired also see each issue as really difficult. It's not like we're prosecutors. It's not like we're trying to get people. It really is we're trying to get at the truth. And I really appreciate that. And if it seems like someone is leaning in one direction and doesn't have a logical basis for it, I'm eager to put on the brakes and try to make sure each move is justified. Um, I would be concerned if someone thought this work were easy. And that's why I'm glad I'm doing it. And then when kids, kids now coming into college, if you could catch them before they started on the first day, maybe you do, maybe there's an orientation that you give, but if you had to give them suggestions on how to navigate college successfully, seeing the different things that you've seen probably in this role, what would you advise them to do? Um, be careful. Uh, the first couple of weeks of college are considered the red zone, the danger zone. That's the period in which many sexual assaults happen. Uh, be careful with trying alcohol and trying drugs. Uh, if you're not sure if you have consent, get it or don't go, don't proceed. Uh, get it the next day. Um, I think that would be the biggest piece of advice I would give to people starting out in college. And we do, we do give orientation to every single incoming student, and we teach them about the definition of consent, but I think we still have more work to do where people come in after an incident and seem to be confused about what it means. Do you ever go to UCLA football games? Not yet. Not yet. Really? You missed the greatest game possible in UCLA history. Did you hear about that one? I heard about it. Okay. Yeah. Did people give you shit for not going? I never said that I didn't go. Oh, you were in the building? No, I, just, I, I didn't tell anyone that I oh, went, whether I went or not. No one has asked. Till now. Oh, well, I'm glad we have it recorded so people can tune in. 
I'm glad you brought up the ACLU. How long were you at the ACLU? Six years. What do people not understand about how the ACLU works since they're in the news all the time? Uh, a lot of people didn't understand how small it was. Uh, it was a tiny shop, close to 10 lawyers, a little more than 10 lawyers. Uh, and we had a big footprint, I think, in part because we were so good about um, approaching advocacy from multiple levels, not just from suing, but also with working with media and working with organizers. And it seemed like there were a lot more of us. But also how huge it was that we had these brilliant law interns because in the summer, we would triple our staff by bringing in 30 to 40 law students, and that really helped keep the organization alive. Uh, without the students, I think I would have had dozens less declarations to prove that inmates with disabilities in the county jail, for example, were being mistreated. So uh, it seems like a really big organization, but it's actually really small, a uh, very lean nonprofit, and a lot of the volunteers and the interns really make it happen. Are you surprised by anything the ACLU has done in the Trump era? No. No. You think they're doing all they can or they should be doing? Anything else they should tackle that they're not? Uh, I would. So I think they they may be paying people a little bit better. Um, so you want which, to go back? <laughs> which they, 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 I think that was a need. Uh, but that also means that, right, if you pay people more, you're able to hire less people. So I think that's a tough call. And what was the biggest case you worked on when you were there or the most important to you looking back? Uh, they were all so important. I'm really proud of all of them. Was it the stuff in Compton? Was that same about that time? The, that yeah. was English learner students. That was a huge statewide case where I took the lead and had 17 lawyers on the team uh, suing the state of California for failing to oversee and intervene when English learner students weren't being taught English. I'm also super proud of a case that I brought in against the Barstow Police Department. Uh, and that was when they stopped two brothers in a taco shop and asked them for ID. And one of the brothers checked his cell phone and looked up whether he had to produce ID to the police. And it, it, the answer was no. So he said no, and they ended up going to jail. So um, I represented them in negotiating with the Barstow Police Department to A, get them some cash, and we did, but B, change the policy for the Barstow Police Department and C, Right, issue a new training for the police department so that folks would know better going forward. Nice. Uh, when we come back, we're going to ask Jessica about where she's going next in life. Stick with us. You're listening to The Zag. And we're back talking with Jessica Price, 2013 NLC alum. And Jessica is a very talented lawyer, among other things. And unfortunately, that means people seek her out to do the jobs in potentially other states. So Jessica, where are you, where are you headed next? I'm going to Oregon. Oregon? What are you going to do in Oregon? I'm going to be assistant general counsel for the University of Oregon. So for folks that don't know, what does that entail for such a large university? What does assistant general counsel do? It means I will represent the university and advise the university. It means I could be working on civil rights, intellectual property, uh, privacy rights, Title IX issues, um, whatever comes up, free speech, hopefully. And what was appealing about the job for you? All of those things. <laughs> what is uh, the questions you have about Oregon 
as a state, as a place. What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's it's not L.A., right? It's, it's so it's, it's, it's a little more LA. rustic because it's not in Seattle. Where is the University of Oregon based? It's not in Washington. It's not in Portland. It is in Eugene, Oregon. Eugene, Oregon, yeah. Yeah. So uh, not as much racial diversity as I'm used to here in Los Angeles. So we'll see what that's like. And then what's the kind of long-term goal, potentially, working at a place like that? Would you stay in a university and work your way up or... See what you think after a year. What's your what's your plan? Yeah, if it sucks, maybe I'll be back in six months. Um, <laughs> but if I'm enjoying it, yeah, stick around, work my way up. And then there is an NLC. Of, there is not an NLC um, in where you'll be. There's one in Portland that just started, which is kind of interesting. Could you see yourself starting one? Could you see yourself? How are you going to find other progressives? I guess is my question. Uh, I don't know yet. I was already looking for flag football opportunities up there, but I suppose I should also be looking for like-minded folks to hang out with um, politically. We'll see. Um, yeah, I'd be down to help with an NLC Eugene if I make enough friends. Do you know anybody up there now? Just the person I'll be working for. Okay. And do you feel like because you went to so many schools growing up, do you feel like you make friends easily or is this... How would you describe your approach to new situations like that? Yeah, I, I mean, personally, it's really easy for me to introduce myself and, and meet people at that superficial level. I think what I've always struggled with is those deeper, more meaningful friendships that I didn't really have to make growing up because I had 24 cousins. And so they really just knew me since the beginning. And so in adulthood, I've I've had to work harder at having those deeper, less superficial friendships. How does it work on holidays when you have 24 cousins? It's a big party. A lot of food. Hmm. I'm an only child with very few cousins, so I can't even imagine. I'm I'm sorry. All right, all right. Um, What's on your list of things to do when your time left in L.A.? Is there a bucket list of sorts checking stuff off? Or you've done everything in L.A. anyway? You know, I just really want to keep seeing friends uh i've uh, people have been encouraging me to try new things i was invited to take surf lessons on sunday morning but i think i'd rather keep going to the same bar and seeing the same people there's no well the one big accomplishment i want to do is hike mount baldy and so i've scheduled that for the day before i leave and you're talking about bars is this your trivia bar yes and which bar is that again o'brien's and how talented are you at trivia Usually second to last place. Oh, who gets last place? Doesn't matter. All I care is that we're not last. last. And sometimes our team name is not last. That's a great name. And a great spot to end on not last. Jessica, thank you so much. You've been listening to The Zag. If you want to hear more episodes, check us out on our website, la.newleaderscouncil.org. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.